When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello, Serie A fan. The Scudetto curse strikes again as the Italian teams fall short in Europe, and UEFA adds to their pain by turning up the difficulty in the draw. It's not all doom and gloom, though, at least not for Inter, who take a last lap lead in the race for winter champions, nor for an impressive Empoli who upset Napoli. But there's only one victorious max this weekend, and it's not Allegri. All that plus updates from elsewhere in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to Scudetto. And let me just start this week by apologising to all the teams that we cursed last week. It was a pretty bad showing for Italian teams in Europe after we bigged up the games. But I mean, at least Inter got a nice easy draw for the knockouts, so there's that. How are you guys getting on, uh, Kenny? We'll come to you first. Have you been having a good week? I have, or yeah. Weekend, rather. Yeah, yeah I, had a good, I had a good weekend. Of, uh, I'm doing well for now. I've just had my booster dose of the the COVID nineteen vaccine, so might not be doing as well tomorrow morning. Who knows? But but for now, very very good. Thank you. How are you doing, Oscar? Yeah, not too bad. I need to get myself booked in for a booster this week at some point. There seems to be a lot of the. Uh, New variant going around in London. Yeah. Touchwood, I've uh, steered clear of it so far. Uh, and Manchester as well, I hear. Yeah. Steered clear of it when I was there as well. Boaz, how about you? How are you getting on? I kept complaining. It was a pretty standard weekend and um, nothing nothing happened. Very, very chill. <laughs> Good to know you uh, kept calm. Um, and how about on the beers front? How are we all doing? I've managed to get one this week. Good work. Last week. Back on form. What have you got? Don't say Heineken. I've got a... No, it's not. It's a, a Beavertown Nanobot. Um, Tremendous. Both you and I have spoken before of our love of neck oil, but it's yeah. quite strong for a weeknight. So um, this is quite similar bit, similar in flavor, but it's a bit weaker. It's 2.8%. Oh, wow. Interesting. I didn't realize they'd brought out a low alcohol one. <laughs> yeah, it's going down quite nicely. And hopefully I remain more coherent throughout the podcast. What have you got? I disapprove, by the way. <laughs> um, I've got a Brewdog Planet Pale, which is a bit boring because I had it a few a few weeks ago, but I enjoyed it a lot. So, yeah, I got myself a four-pack of that. Uh, I didn't actually go and do my hunt this week, so I just grabbed what was available. And thankfully, it's a good one. What was available and carbon neutral slash negative? Yeah. Well done for keeping the podcast green. How about you, Baz? Following a conversation with a friend of the pod, 
Peter Fraser on uh, Twitter, I ran out and got myself uh, Mikeller Gold, which is a collaboration between the Mikeller Brewery and a local brewery, brewery that I can't remember their name, but very nice. That's interesting. When I was looking for this in the supermarket, I saw that there was a Mikeller Brewdog collaboration that I nearly bought. Maybe I'll try that one next week. Anyway, let's start off with the Champions League draw uh, and... Uh, well, all of the European Which draws, one? but particularly the Champions League draw that, that I referenced in the intro. Yeah. Which one exactly, Kenny? Um, obviously, all of our listeners will know that there was a, a mistake in the first Champions League draw. Ajax is a great draw for, for Inter. Yeah, precisely. So um, first time around, Inter drawing Ajax uh, and Juve drawing uh, Sporting. Uh, there was a mistake in the draw, as everyone will know by now, and it was redone an hour later. Inter drew Liverpool and Juve drew Villarreal. So a much harder fixture for Inter and a slightly, or, yeah, I guess a more difficult fixture for, for Juve as well. Atalanta obviously struggled against Villarreal. Yeah, and they robbed us of the the Portugal narrative in the run-up to the, the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Of course, Juventus also got knocked out by a Portuguese opposition uh, last year. So that's extra narrative, but that narrative was deleted like it never happened. Yeah, and obviously they robbed us of the Ronaldo Messi, which uh, could be the last time those two ever uh, were due to play each other. So I'm just disappointed all around, really. Yeah, but we'll talk about the games, obviously, closer to the time. Um, but we should mention also the Europa League draw, um, which, like you were saying, Kenny, they seem to have improved that competition no end by cutting the number of teams down. Some real box office games in particular. Napoli have got Barcelona, uh, Atalanta going first away to Olympiacos, and Lazio bring out Porto, which, I mean, I think all of those games could have been Champions League clashes mm. in recent years. Yeah. I mean, who do you guys actually think is the favourite in that clash between Napoli and Barcelona? Probably Napoli. It really depends on uh, what side uh, Napoli show up with, because as we've mentioned in past episodes, their current injury crisis is uh, is a bit much, but uh, it's not like Barcelona are, are setting the world on fire right now. Yeah. Do you, have a, do you fancy Atal- Atalanta going away? Well, I said I fancied Atalanta against Villarreal, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's try not to curse any more Italian teams, um, or at least save the curse until the game week. Scudetto Pod will focus exclusively on the Bundesliga and Liga from now on, to, <laughs> so as to avoid cursing. That's so my keeping up with the, with the Italian segment, so leave it to me. Yeah, and the other draw was the Europa Conference League. Um, however, it was only for the teams that finished second. Roma being the sole Italian team in that competition. And they won their group, so they go automatically through to the next round. So nothing to speak about there just yet. Uh, we should we should quickly mention, though, that uh, Roma winning that group is a little bizarre considering their um, 6-1 loss to Bodo Glimt and also the fact mm. that Bodo Glimt came away with uh, a point at the Olimpico. And also, at times, it felt like um, Mourinho didn't really care for this competition. So... Um, I think it's a good thing to see Italian teams go as far as possible, but uh, they didn't give the impression that they cared. Yeah, well, well i have to see how they get on. Um, I don't know if I mentioned on this the podcast before, but I'm planning to be in Albania around the time of the final, so maybe I'll uh, see Roma in action. And try uh, an Albanian craft beer. Yeah, indeed. You have to update us. All right, I will indeed. If they redo the draw again, does it mean Milan get brought back into the tournament? <laughs> 
I mean, how many times do they have to do it for Milan to be in the round, in the next round? I think you've got to wait for the Super League for that. Mm. Okay. And on that note, Inter winning 4-0 at home to Cagliari. Uh, and they're starting to look like favourites for winter champions considering how things went elsewhere, aren't they, Bars? Yeah, I think uh, Inter's uh, recent run of form has been nothing short of formidable. And uh, with that kind of squad depth and some of the players in the team, it's obvious that they're able to swat aside teams like Cagliari quite easily. But I think it's the the way they play and how ent- generally entertaining Inzaghi has them playing that uh, really shines. And uh, it's not such a surprise that they are top of the league considering their squad. It's more of a surprise that uh, Inzaghi's methods have uh, sunk in so quickly. And as an aside, maybe we should give Inzaghi credit for um, his work at Lazio as well, because Maurizio Sarri, who is no no fool, is seems to be struggling in Rome right now. So again, Inzaghi is really uh, winning plaudits and uh, the way Inter are playing is a lot more entertaining than under Conte. Perhaps slightly less effective at times, but uh, I'm sure the fans are delighted. And with the aforementioned draw against Ajax, they 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 can do they can really go far in this competition. Yeah, and I think they've got three <laughs> more three more points, don't they, um, at this stage of the season than they had uh, last season under Conte. So I mean, hats off to hats off to Inzaghi. And yeah, like Boaz, I'm looking forward to that Ajax clash very very much. Yeah. They're definitely the form team. Uh, five or six wins in a row. They go to the top of the table and they've got Salernitana and the Torino coming up. So assuming that they don't slip over either of those, they will be Serie A winter champions. Hopefully uh, that bodes as well for them as it did for Milan last year, right, Bart? <laughs> in the spirit of honesty, the, they also drew against Milan, but arguably they were the better team and probably should have won that game as well, which would have put them even further ahead. They they are kind of being favored by their their rivals up top's um, terrible form at the moment, but but uh, they're playing their own games and winning, and that's all you can ask for from a team. Yeah. yeah, and let's talk about their rivals' terrible form for a minute, shall we? Who do you want? To, where do you want to go first? Do you want to go to Napoli or do you want to go to Milan's terrible form? I'm happy to start with Napoli and say that in the first eleven games of the the season, they only dropped two points. And since then, they've, they've seemingly been dropping points almost every week. This latest uh, game week, you'd think that um, a match against Empoli, however good Empoli are, should be uh, a guaranteed three points, particularly as it's at home. But uh, as we keep saying, Napoli really miss their star players and may- maybe also uh, some of the momentum that took them so far at the beginning of the season has faded a little bit. Um, I wouldn't completely discount Napoli yet, but but I do feel that of the four teams up top right now, they're the ones who seriously risk uh, dropping off uh, based on their form. Yeah, you're right. That's three in a row with uh, without a win. Kenny, you wanted to give some some credit to Empoli, or did you want to? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to jump in to to just basically say I think this is like the fifth time or maybe sixth time that I've uh, been able to to watch Empoli play this season. And just to give them some credit, because I absolutely love watching them play. Uh, I love the just the, the fact they're so organized. I mean, normally we say that that's normally uh, in terms of entertainment value. That's normally a negative. You know, they're organized. They're hard to, to break down. But they just have this like incredible shape to them. You watch them and every single player knows where they have to be at what point. Um, their work rate is exceptional. I mean, you see them sometimes in defense and they've got kind of 
two banks sat on the edge of the box. And again, you think that's a sign of parking the bus, but it's not because those midfielders just whenever there's a break, they absolutely burst forward, but then they bust the gut to get back. Um, and I, I, the the way they play as well, it's not like it's long ball uh, counter-attacking football. It's really kind of flowing, expansive, almost uh, almost Simone Inzaghi-esque, actually, some of their counter-attacking football. I really, really have enjoyed watching them play in, in Serie A. And I think that's them up to, is it eighth? They are now in the, in the league and just a, a couple of uh, a couple of points off of the the big guns. So uh, yeah, I mean that wasn't that wasn't an easy game for for Napoli. And I think a lot of the kind of commentary in the press has been about how bad Napoli are. But Empoli have picked up like three really really big results. They've beaten Fiorentina. They've beaten Roma. They've now beaten Napoli. Uh, I mean, I think we need to kind of give them some credit, really. Uh, they are a, a very, very good team, and they've not like gone out and splashed the cash or anything. They've kind of made some really shrewd signings, improved the squad undoubtedly with like a couple of loans and things. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that that was kind of doom and gloom for Napoli off the back of of that result. Uh, although perhaps the the it's more a case of the evidence mounting of these results that have been happening uh, since, as Boaz mentioned earlier. They they started having those those injuries. Um, but a, a couple of good points for for Napoli as well, though, uh, is that they Anguissa did come back into into this game, and uh, Insigne obviously did as well. Although he is now a doubt for the the big game at the weekend because uh, he seems to have aggravated that injury, maybe maybe rushed back too soon. Uh, and I guess we've got to talk about Zielinski, right? coming off with uh, concerning breathing difficulties and, and things like that. Uh, and it's something that we saw with, uh, it was Lindelof, wasn't it? Man United as well this weekend, I believe. So, I mean, that was obviously very, very concerning. But the latest that I read, really, really encouraging news that all of the tests are coming back, that he, he seems okay. But it seems like there was genuine concern from the medics and from the player himself. So, fingers crossed, that the news stays good. Uh, the, the story of Ericsson's obviously fresh in our minds as well. So, yeah, sad to see him come off so early. But, uh, yeah, positive noises uh, coming out since then. And perhaps to provide uh, another slight caveat for Napoli's uh, unexpected loss, we have to mention that they did play Leicester City in the uh, Europa League in midweek, and it was quite a harrowing experience uh, hard-fought game, which eventually Napoli won, uh, which we should also credit them for winning that game. So, uh, I mean, it's not easy to juggle two competitions in the same week, particularly when you're playing Premier League opposition. Yeah, and particularly with all the injuries they have that we've spoken about on previous weeks. Yeah, as you say, uh, credit to Empoli, and uh, don't want to put all of the emphasis on a, a bad Napoli performance. That said, let's talk about the, the bad Milan performance. Uh, Boaz, Udinese won, Milan won. In the end, Zlatan Ibrahimovic rescuing a point for Milan. It was not uh, the best performance, let's put it this way. And at times it felt like the match could have gone on for 900 minutes and Milan would not have scored. Udinese, despite second their manager, were um, very organized and were able to uh, pinpoint Milan's, let's call them weaknesses. 
the goal Udinese scored comes from a defensive error from Milan. Some people on the internet are blaming um, Benacer for what was quite a tough pass to, I believe, Bakayoko. But then Bakayoko miscontrols it and uh, Portuguese striker Beto is actually having a great season. And you may remember from earlier in the in the year, in our podcasting year, he was actually the very last signing of the Serie A transfer window. So in any case, he's uh, he was one-on-one on the, with the keeper with both Tomori and Romagnoli very far from him. His first shot was stopped by Mike Magnan, but he, he was quite lucky with the bounce coming back out to him. And then uh, Udinese defended resolutely for the rest of the match with only a, a piece of genius from Mr. Zlatan uh, rescuing the point. But overall, Milan seemed like they lack ideas. They don't have a cutting edge, and particularly against teams that close themselves down, they they really don't know how to uh, how to get on the score sheet. This comes after a week with a very disappointing loss to Liverpool. Um, obviously, there's no shame in losing to a great club like with some great players like Liverpool. But considering um, Klopp's heavy rotation and considering that Milan actually went ahead, they didn't really uh, show spirit once again. And it feels like an, a missed occasion. Actually, the whole Champions League campaign does. And this um, malaise spilled over into the, the Udinese game, it felt. It, it looked like... The players were not just physically tired like Napoli, but also kind of um, mentally strained. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that winter break. Well, are there any other instances from, from the game we should mention? I mean, there was a ludicrous red card at the end of the game, wasn't it? From success, just flying in on the keeper as he was trying to boot it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of shithousery, so I've got to say that uh, success was <laughs> successful in uh, in his attempt. Um he could have just stopped Magnan from taking the shot, but but he, instead he opted to kind of uh, clothesline him, like in the old, uh, like in WWE. And then uh, obviously there was uh, a lot of handbags, a lot of um, push people pushing each other around. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, got involved. I, f- I actually feel that the whole situation was detrimental to Milan because it it uh, it ran the clock down. But uh, such is life, and uh, I'm sure he'll be facing a, at least a two match ban. All right, uh, before we move into the best of the rest, any words on Atalanta being Verona 2-1 away? I'm looking at you, Kenny. Yeah, well, I mean, an absolutely huge result. And uh, this was a really, really tricky tie for, for Atalanta. Obviously, going into it off of the, the disappointment of the the Champions League, where personally, I actually felt like maybe they... Uh, deserved a little bit more than they they got out of that game um but yeah they kind of put it behind them and they they went down early as well against Verona uh and we've spoken quite a lot about how how good Verona have actually been uh, this season with with Simeone as well on on absolute fu- on absolute fire you know, being going there and being one nil down, not an easy task to to turn that around. Uh, I saw a few Atalanta fans on on social media who were kind of saying, "Oh, it wasn't wasn't the greatest performance, but uh, you know, the important thing is to get the results." But I actually thought it was, uh, I, I actually thought it was a very very creditable uh, away performance. I thought. Um, the, the first half in particular was relatively entertaining. Uh, it was great to see Miranchuk get his get his chance and and take it um, with a very well taken goal. Uh, he had a lot of work to do there, uh, and you know he's he's one that people have as as good as being being out the door. Uh, so I mean this was the this one along with the the Roma game obviously coming up this weekend 
were the two which I felt Atalanta needed to get over before we could discuss whether they were uh, real real title contenders. Uh, and that's that's one one of the two out of the way. But obviously Gasperini is uh, still refusing to be to be drawn into that. But uh, I don't know. Did we mm. want to speak about uh, Venezia Juve as well? Because it's kind of quite jarring that we're talking about the the top four and the title contenders and Juve are nowhere nowhere to be seen. Yeah, well, that's because they're nowhere to be seen in the <laughs> table. They're sitting at seventh. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing about Juve this season, isn't it, really? I mean, we can talk about whether they can put a run together and, uh, you know, get themselves into the Champions League race, but I just watch Juve and they don't look like a Champions League team at all. They they look like they are exactly where, well, possibly, it's, if anything, their league position kind of flatters them and they could have been, I actually watched the Venezia game and... Uh, Juve probably could have been a couple of goals up by by half time, but they came out after half time, and Venezia absolutely bossed the first sort of twenty to twenty five minutes of that. And yeah, yeah, they just looked so predictable and so devoid of ideas. And DiBala obviously came off quite early, um, and without DiBala and Chiesa, you're just like, where is the invention going to come from? Uh, so unless there are any sort of shock transfers in uh, in January, then, uh, yeah, Juve, I think, will do well to, to make the Europa League at this rate. Yeah, I was quite confused on Sunday of everyone tweeting about how great Max had done and uh, wondering what he'd done <laughs> so great after, tri- <laughs> after that result. Um, yeah, I think Juve would need a greater comeback win than Max to, uh, to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of Max... I have to say that his entire demeanor... Which Max? Allegri. I have to say his entire demeanor this season is quite annoying. If I, if I were a Juventus fan, I'd find it... Uh, I'd be quite pissed off with him. He's, uh, he's constantly like having a laugh. He's smiling. He, he's, he's constantly referring to how bad his team is, basically. And like, you're the coach. It's up to you to, to try and make... To change something. Obviously, the way Juventus are playing is, at the very least, not very proactive. So... Um, I, I I expected more from him in this uh, return to Juventus. Although, in his credit, um, Chelsea did hand him uh, the top spot in the Champions League group somehow yeah. this week. So, uh, there there is that at least. Yeah. Let's move on to best of the rest and start with Salonatana, who have cemented their position as the worst promoted team after getting smashed 4-0 by Fiorentina. A couple of nice goals for Valvic, but still just a terrible performance. And, uh, yeah. Near the Derby County of Syria. <laughs> what week doesn't go by when Vlaovic scores a couple of uh, a couple of great goals these days? Yeah, well, maybe only a couple more. Let's uh, let's wait and see what happens in the transfer window. Um, but Sassuolo continued their record against the top seven. They beat Lazio two one. Great goal by Berardi. Um, I think it's missing out on the goals honourable, so I can mention it at this point of the show. Sampdoria won the Genoa Derby 3-1, um, which was a poor showing by both teams after Kenny talked it up as game of the week last week. Um, Sirigu gifting Samp two goals. Uh, and then Genoa, Genoa kind of coming to life a little bit at the end, showing some signs, uh, created some actual chances, and they even managed to score their first goal under Shashenko. I swear he must really be itching to get the shirt on and <laughs> be, be, put himself up front. Yeah, that was another game that I watched, and uh, yeah, that was 
probably better advised not not to watch it. So just don't listen don't, don't listen to my advice on games to watch in the weeks to come. Well, let's just basically. scrap that section this week, shall we? <laughs> um, we should just say though that Roma beaten Spezia 2-0 and they move back ahead of Juventus into sixth. With 45,000 people in the stadium, which is uh, very nice to hear. Yeah. Um, all right, it's time for us to decide on the good week, bad week. We've obviously heard about how great Empoli were against Napoli, so they have mm. to be a nomination for good week. Let's start with that. Um, Inter obviously steaming ahead into uh, first place two weeks from ahead of the winter break also have to be in the conversation. Although maybe their Champions League draw second time around disqualifies them. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, my inclination would be to give it to to Inter. They've gone top of the league. They were so far behind a few a few weeks ago. But uh, you guys tell me that we gave them it a couple of weeks ago. And, also, they uh, had a they didn't have the best result in the Champions League in the midweek. If you if we have to be honest, albeit they were already qualified. Yeah, and I, I, much as I've raved on about Empoli, um, I don't think they're going to be recipients of good week uh, many weeks. So I would wholeheartedly endorse giving it to to Empoli. It was a, a really great performance, albeit with a, a fortuitous uh, winning goal. Okay, a bad well, Good week, Empoli. It's done. Uh, bad weeks maybe has a few more <laughs> nominations this week. <laughs> Juventus isn't here, but we've got. Salonatana, Cagliari, Genoa, any other? Did we end up giving it to Genoa last week or, or did we spare them? Uh, no, we ended up giving it to Venezia instead. I mean, it's clear I, I'm a big, I love Andrei Shevchenko. I, I, would, I would have his babies, but this one form <laughs> that, I mean, when, when, um, when Genoa last uh, won a game, it was in September. I mean, we, we were still walking around in flip-flops and, and shorts, and now it's almost Christmas and Wham is playing everywhere. And um, I mean, I, I live in Edinburgh, so I, wasn't, I, I, I never walk around in flip-flops and shorts. Well, in, in any case, we were, we were here in the last of the summer bangers, and now it's uh, a bunch of Mariah Carey and uh, Wham hits being played, and occasionally the Pogues. So um, that's pretty... Pretty shocking, and also considering they lost the derby, which I mean, if you can't get your team up and uh, hungry for the derby, then what's the point? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I would, I, I would happen. I mean, either any of the three, whichever one either of you argued for, I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, they've had a bad week. <laughs> to be honest, I also think I mentioned this um, off air in one of our conversations, but I, I'm getting a serious Parma vibes from this Genoa project, where the new American yeah. owners came in with. Um, a lot of uh, positive vibes and great ideas, but on the pitch, the team is just not delivering and um, mm-hmm. Serie B beckons if they continue like this. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, on the note of Serie B beckoning, I think Salernitana will probably have plenty of other opportunities to win bad week as well. So maybe we don't have to be so so selective in this one. Yeah, fair enough. Let's give it to Genoa. Bad week for Genoa. And with that, let's move on to keeping up with the Italians. Over to you, Bars. It's a bumper edition this week, so I'm going to try and be as quick as possible. Over in uh, a pointless league, the, um, Luca Malvicini uh, <laughs> scored, a g- <laughs> scored a goal in the <laughs> final to uh, guarantee the Kaiser University men's soccer team uh, their first ever victory in the NAIA National Men's Soccer Championship. So good for him. Over in Turkey, coach Francesco Farioli has been sacked from Karagumuruk 
which means there's one less person to talk about in Turkey for me, which is very upsetting. Moving quickly to the Bundesliga, 16-year-old uh, Fabio Kerodia made his uh, debut for Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga 2, and uh, that makes him the youngest ever player to play for Werder Bremen. So that's quite, quite an achievement, although I'm old enough to remember when Werder Bremen were in the, regularly in the top competitions, UEFA Cup, Champions League, so you know how, how things have changed. Over to the Premier League, uh, our friend Jorginho got two penalties in a game, which uh, really stings if you're an Italy fan, but uh, he seems to be fine scoring with Chelsea. Moving to the middle of Europe, we have um, FC Zurich, who are the, leading the Swiss Championship, and my good friend Willy Gnotto got a brace. And in uh, Austria, Kelvin Yeboa, who is uh, Tony Yeboa's nephew, got another goal to bring him to 11 goals this season. And at this rate, maybe Mancini can consider him for the... Qatar team should Italy make it there in uh, good news Cristiano Piccini uh, scored his first goal after three years and after a long uh, bout with injuries to give Valencia the three points so credit to him for that and lastly a man who's very close to my heart uh, Carletto Ancelotti who is uh, eight points clear of Seville eight points clear of Sevilla in the standings in uh, Spain and also 13 points clear of Atletico 18 points clear of Barcelona and well on the way in the Champions League so uh you know, the king is back, as they say. Yeah, I've actually got an addition to this section as well this week, but I was sent in by our Madrid correspondent, Hector. Ooh. He noticed that uh, the 36-year-old Alessio Lisci is the new head coach at Levante. He was previously a youth coach at uh, Levante, bottom of La Liga. Uh, let's see how he gets on. Uh, so thanks, Sector, for that one. And now it's time for the honourables and dishonourables. I will start off, we already mentioned this earlier, but... Just have to formalise the dishonourable for UEFA for messing up the draw and uh, giving into a harder fixture. I, th- I think you have to also give them a dishonourable for trying to blame the software company that was <laughs> responsible for this. Because I mean, surely they're they're supposed to be <laughs> they're su- supposed to be across who has played each other already. I mean, they should have known when the when that was going on but but whatever yeah <laughs> yeah it does seem like a human error rather than a software thing doesn't it but i mean that's what i always do i blame a third-party software company when it, whenever anything <laughs> goes wrong in my life just to stipulate <laughs> it is not a ufs software product it is a third-party software product um okay buzz let's uh hear it. the honorable you've got for zlatan this week uh zlatan Ibrahimovic scored his uh 300th goal in uh, europe's top five leagues Plus being one of only three players in who's currently active who, to reach this uh, amazing benchmark. And if you consider that he spent two years in semi-retirement in uh, Los Angeles, it's, it's, it's very <laughs> impressive. I have to say that um, Milan are a little bit off the pace and his age and his, his slight uh, lack of pace definitely doesn't help the team. But he's such a character and I mean... This is three hundred goals is a testament to what what a great player and how lucky we are to see him and these other guys who have topped this uh, league. Yeah, and Chalanoglu uh, deserves uh, an honourable this week. Uh, obviously, Bars won't be giving it to him, but Kenny, I think maybe. Well, will it be Chalanoglu or will it be Alexis Sanchez? I think. Uh, so, so I, I couldn't actually pick out the my goals honourable this week uh, until until that game on on Sunday night uh, because there were lots of lots of really really good goals. You mentioned the Berardi one, which uh, very very worthy. Also the Aramo goal for for Venezia, although Chesney does get a hand to it. 
whether that makes the goal actually better, that just the, the power behind it, Chesney couldn't actually keep hold of it. Uh, Sanchez, wonderful, wonderful technique from a ball falling out of the sky to kind of slap it home. But I think it goes to Chalanoglu. I think you're right, Oscar. Um, just the, the there's absolutely no way uh, that the keeper's getting that that one. He kind of cuts in. He drifts in. The defender's given too much space, but um, he just you know tees it up absolutely perfectly and rockets it into the into the top corner. So yeah, that's that's gonna be he's gonna be my pick for for my goals honourable this week. Absolutely. And you don't really have to choose because if you just look up the intergame, you can watch both of them. <laughs> exactly. YouTube. There you go. There you go. Check them uh, both out on YouTube. Buzz, uh, you've got an honorable for Gabbiadini. I believe this is this must be a first, but Gabbiadini essentially scored a goal in the Genoa derby from the bench. Essentially, he, sc- he scored his goal and then Daversa subbed him off while there was a VAR check going on. And... Uh, Manolo Gabbiadini celebrated his goal from the bench with the rest of the players on the bench. So I think a world first or at the very, at the very least a Serie A first for me. Yeah, and uh, Kenny, we mentioned earlier the Empoli goal. I think uh, related to that, you've got an honourable for Andrea Zoli. Yes, this is uh, an honourable for Empoli manager Andrea Zoli for his quote after, after Empoli beat Napoli uh, about the winning goal uh, where... He was asked about it, and he tried to tried to claim that it was a set piece routine that they'd uh, tried a lot in in training. Um, obviously, very very much tongue in cheek there, but I think he described uh, Gutrone's uh, winning goal there as uh, in, in volleyball terms. I think it was like a veloce di di volley or something like that. Um, I don't watch volleyball, so I don't know what the technique is, but I can only imagine it means like a smash when uh, when someone smashes it and the wall is goes it like up. A, and... Is it a spike? Do they call it? Yeah, maybe. I, maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, um, the the biggest freak goal uh, of all times, and uh, I think made all the better by Kutrone, who was asked about it. Uh, I'm not sure if he knew that his manager had been interviewed about it. Uh, he described it as the ball hit me in the face, and I just about saw it going in. So uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, lovely description. Um, but as you've added an extra one in here, uh, who is Dominique German? Dominique German is uh, Germany's answer to uh, Vinny Italian in Italy. It's uh, Domenico Tedesco, who <laughs> in, in theory, he should be fitting into the Keeping Up With The Italians uh, po- uh, section of this podcast. But... I want to give him an honorable because uh, he was appointed as uh, Red Bull Leipzig's uh, manager this week and promptly won 4-1 against Munchen Black. So um, good for him. Munchen Black. And then one closer to home for you, Buzz, uh, the Milan Kitman. Yeah, this is a dishonorable for the Milan Kitman. Um, eagle-eyed viewers may have noticed that uh, when Junior Messias entered the field, his uh, his shirt inexplicably said, me, CS, with uh, two E's instead of one. Uh, I don't understand how this mistake could be made, but uh, didn't seem to bother Messias when he was running around trying to get the equalizer. And the uh, final one for you, Kenny, just to give some credit to Atalanta, I believe. Uh, absolutely, yes, because Atalanta, for the first time in their history, have won six consecutive away games in, in Serie A. So, uh, yeah, just to reiterate what we were saying earlier, I guess, Inter, everyone's talking up Inter, Inter's chances uh, Atalanta famously under Gasperini tend to do better in the second half of the season and let's leave it there and move on to the next 
Yeah, very well deserved. Uh, Boaz, uh, let's uh, just, do you want to wrap us up with a comedy mention? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note that uh, Inter so far have been uh, been awarded the most penalties in Serie A, nine. They've only scored six of those, but still, they topped that table by quite a lot. And unsurprisingly, perhaps, uh, Coach Inzaghi, was, as he was uh, stepping off the field at San Siro, slipped down the stairs and gave quite a dramatic dive. So, um, <laughs> very, <laughs> very on form, very on brand. Yeah, he, he looked fine as well, so... Uh... I think, think we're okay to give that the, the comedy mention at the end. <laughs> um, all right, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened. If you don't already, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you get your audio. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at ScudettoPod. Um, we'll speak to you again next week. Until then, enjoy the football. <laughs> La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra nella zona. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.